part of my journey to Google and part of the success that I've experienced after Google has helped me to understand that I have more in common with folks than I do differences. And one of the first big things I needed to do is get out of my own head about how I thought other people were perceiving me and just move in my lane and, and just strive to work hard, be excellent at my craft and be diligent in, in my preparation. Hello there, listeners. Welcome into the Free Retiree Show, the show for your career, your finances, and where we help you learn from people that have done amazing things. Remember, if you have a show request or question for us, send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. Welcome into a career advancement edition of our show. If you ever applied at a company and felt like you just were not a good fit, you just didn't fit the mold of the traditional employees that you saw on the campus or at the organization. Maybe you lack some of the necessary skills, or maybe you didn't look like or act like typical ABC company employee. Today's guest knows what this feels like, and he's been able to overcome these obstacles and land one of the most sought after roles in America. Today, we'll be sitting down with career coach Anthony Mays. He's the founder of Morgan Latimer LLC. And for today's topic, we're going to be discussing how you land your dream job as a non-traditional candidate. Anthony Mays has had a powerful and inspirational journey. He grew up in Compton. He was in foster care, and he defied the odds to become a very successful engineer. He left Compton, and then he made it to the mean streets of Silicon Valley, where he became a Google engineer, and he became one of the top 1% as a black employee in a technical role. He worked in engineering for over 20 years, and now he started out his own venture in career consulting. And his journey has been documented in a BuzzFeed video that has gained over 5 million views around the world. And he's been mentioned in HuffPost. So guys, Serge, Maddie, you guys know this feeling of being a candidate in a non-traditional role. What did it take for you guys to get past that? Yeah, man. I think being in Silicon Valley, there's not that many people that look like me. So you kind of feel that way all the time. But I think over time, you just figure out how to make it work. And then once you break in, you realize everyone's just like, they're all humans. Nobody's a rocket. Well, some companies have rocket scientists, but like nobody's like God's gift to earth, right? They're all humans. They all have faults. And once you realize that, that's where the game kind of changed for me. Maddie? Yeah, it's hard for me to speak on being like an untraditional candidate because I haven't applied for a job or submitted an application or resume for over a decade. So um, at least in my professional, you know, I, I was kind of recruited by my, my current employer straight out of school. And, uh, you know, I haven't had that experience yet, but um, I'm definitely interested in, in, in learning how to overcome that and, and seeing what some tools that you, can, you know one can have to uh, really kind of excel when they get put in that situation. So now let's bring on our expert guest, Anthony Mays. Thanks for joining us this morning. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, yo. oh I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. I, I slept well, so I'm almost operating at peak efficiency. <laughs> Wonderful. That makes Man, one of us. <laughs> yeah, it's one, one, one out of four. But hey, we love your story. We saw it online. You've, you've had an amazing journey, man. Tell us about like, how did you, what was that journey like? Yeah. So one aspect of it was very traditional. I, I went to college at a 
pretty good computer science university. It doesn't have the reputation of MIT or Stanford, but it's still a fantastic school. And I think it rigs uh, up there with the best in the University of California, Irvine. So I had the four, four year, five year computer science education. I had an internship, uh, so I had practical experience uh, before I jumped all the way into full-time employment. I've worked for seven years in industry before I got to Google across a variety of roles. So I had the experience in all those things. And you find that to be uh, somewhat common amongst those who succeed in getting into big tech companies. What was untraditional is I was a foster care from Compton who was a physical and sexual abuser, who dealt with bullying excessively in elementary school, who lost friends to gun violence and to the streets and just a variety of different things. I've had friends, family member, people that I know that have gone to prison and have been criminalized. And so I've dealt with all of those things. And so there's one sense in which my experience lines up pretty well with, I think, the predominant narrative of what a, a successful tech engineer should be. And then uh, there's ways in which it's wildly different, if for nothing else than the fact that my skin looks different than, than that of those who are in the more well-represented groups. And so, but I think that with all of that said, part of my journey to Google and part of the success that I've experienced after Google has helped me to understand that I have more in common with folks than I do differences. And one of the first big things I needed to do is get out of my own head about how I thought other people were perceiving me and just move in my lane and, and just strive to work hard, be excellent at my craft and be diligent in, in my preparation. So you thought that your own mindset was holding you back? Oh yeah, th there's no doubts about that. And I'm not saying that invalidates systematic oppression or anything. I'm, I'm not saying that those things don't exist or that there are biases, there absolutely are. I feel like I've experienced that in one way or another, though I can't put my finger on a specific situation to call it racism or discrimination or whatever. Mm -hmm. I felt like I've been impacted, but I was so concerned in the beginning stages of my career at Google that I wasn't measuring up, that even though people were telling me I was doing good work, that I wasn't actually doing good work. I felt like they just had to tell me that because I'm the diversity hire. And it took time for me to finally let their words sink in and realize that there are people who were uh, genuinely interested in my growth and development, at least on my team. I, it could be that I, I would have ended up on a different team at Google and had a horrible experience. I think that's still very much possible. It still happens. But for me, I ended up on a great team and a great office surrounded by great people who, who I think cared about me and as I developed relationships that helped me to grow uh, personally and professionally. But it, it, it's that thing where like, I don't really want to be around people. I don't really want to talk to people. I don't really want to, because as soon as I do, they're going to see my flaws. They're going to see where I come from. They're going to know that I can't that. They're going to think of me differently. And as I learn to be more vulnerable and to put myself out there, instead of being berated or discouraged or looked down upon, I found, found out that my experience and my viewpoint was exalted actually. Uh, people really cared about what I had to say. They cared about what I thought. They cared about the unique perspective that I brought as someone who came from the hood, but now worked in Silicon Valley as a software engineer. And I think part of what made that transition easier is that I was doing the work. I was, sh I was putting the quality into my craft. And so it was very clear that at least from a technical perspective, I wasn't different than anybody else. One thing I noticed from your story was that in your childhood, you kind of combated imposter syndrome at an early age because 
you embraced this this love of knowledge and being good with computers. And that was kind of looked down upon where you were at. People made fun of you. They bullied you for it. Maybe because they're like, oh, this guy's going to do something with his life and he's going places. Maybe it came out that way. So you had to fight imposter syndrome at an early age. And then you go to Google being obviously this 1% of rare candidates and rare hires. And then you're there and you have to be, deal with imposter syndrome that way. I mean, how have you done it? Like, what's been the trick? I mean, was it different from the beginning point to the end point? What does that look like? It's kind of like being the Hulk, right? You know, Hulk, what's your secret? I'm always angry. <laughs> and so I'm always battling. I'm always fighting imposter syndrome. I'm always fighting myself and um, trying to do good against, I think, forces that would seek to do to do ill. I, I mean, I, I talked about growing up being called an Oreo as a kid, right? I'm black on the outside, but white so on the insulting. inside. Right? <laughs> I mean, so insulting. Right? I mean, it's like if you're smart, then you must be white on the inside. Right, exactly. That, that's what the inside, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so in the hood, we talk about this crabs in the barrel mentality that some people can have, like when you're trying to ascend and do better and then other people trying to hold you down. I mean, like I, I lived that and I realized that was during years when everybody's immature, kids are dumb, there's a lot of ignorance there. And yeah, I wasn't the only foster kid or abuse victim, probably in my classroom. All my friends didn't have that, <laughs> right? Or, or didn't have their birth dad. I had my foster father who I love and adore and who really poured into me. But we kind of go around at the lunch table like, you know who your real daddy is? Or you know who your real daddy is? And like, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> if we do, we haven't seen him for a long time. And so everybody has that situation. But, you know, you start to, to believe that those are the things that hold you back, that hold you down, as opposed to saying, you know, I'm going to take some personal responsibility, accountability here and just do what I can despite the situations around me. And I'm not saying that's easy, but that's what I've had to do. And so it didn't matter if I was called an Oreo or if, if I walked into an organization that was colorblind, that pretended not to see my race, or if I uh, walked into a situation where I didn't have the same kind of network or relationships of other people, that didn't matter to me. I, what I needed to do was to just focus on putting in the extra time and the hours or whatever to carve the path that I wanted to carve. And I felt like this paid off in tech. I think in other industries, it might be a little bit harder to do that. You might have to pay even more dues than, than what I paid. But that's the thing that makes tech so special is that with, I think with far less effort compared to underrepresented people in other industries and other areas, I've been able to accomplish a great deal and be very visible, not just in the work that I've done, but in the accomplishments that I've been able to gain up to this point. Anthony, so working at companies like Google, Amazon, Facebook, wherever, these big tech companies, Yeah, yeah. can you talk to us a little bit about the high expectation that these places and how you have overcome that and how you stayed successful. Now you're in this, you're coaching people to break in. Like I've been in Silicon for a Valley for a while. And I don't think people understand the level of expectations that are put upon us Yeah, from performance reviews to X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. I just, I know the listeners would be curious on how you stayed the path. So I, I think that the way that I articulated is in this way. If you expect people at like a Google, Amazon to spell out for you what you need to be doing every day, you've got the wrong idea of what this is. What often happens is we've got this ambiguous blob of a problem that we're trying to solve and we don't know exactly how to solve it. So we hired you to do it for us. 
right? And you need to own that problem and you need to identify the right people to bring in to help solve that problem. You need to be asking the questions, writing the documentation, building the things, exploring that, understanding what's happening in the space and, and in other places. You need to own all of that. And you need to be able to communicate what you're doing and you need to be able to collaborate with other very intelligent people who are also working on their own parts of the world to solve interesting uh, problems. So there's a lot of trust and there's a lot of responsibility that's heaped upon your shoulders. I feel like I've worked in environments where in previous companies, I would have had four people working on the same thing, but I'm the person that, that owns it and is producing what I need to produce in order to be successful. And so that's a lot of responsibility. But for people like me who are excited by problem solving, who know how to jump in and have the courage to say, you know what, fine, I've had worse. You jump in there and you figure it out. And it requires you knowing your tools incredibly well. It's just like I, I use, often use sports analogies for whatever, for better, or for worse. Kevin Durant isn't super focused on like his shooting technique, right? Like that's not something that he probably has to think about in a game. Did I extend my, my wrist and flip him out of that stuff is muscle memory because he's so good at what he does, right? Because he spent the hours practicing and dealing with playing out adjustments and all that stuff. And I think that in a very similar way, when you look at especially big tech, like there's no excuse for not just being a master with the tools and being expert and being able to use them in the right situations. You may not exactly know how you're going to use those tools to solve the problem that you need to solve that you haven't seen before, but you know how to begin asking the right questions to help you figure that out. And so I think that as a coach, one of the things that I've done personally is really help people wake up to this idea that problem solving is the most important skill that you need to have and develop because you're going to be entrusted with problems that you haven't seen before and you need to be courageous and dive right in and, and deal with that. So Anthony, I want to go into your interview journey over at Google. And I think in your bio, it didn't work out the first times that you applied. Right. What did you do after you failed? Like, what did you feel like? Yeah. And what did you do to reset yourself and change the outcome? Yeah. So coming up in tech, I was very network poor. I didn't have a brother, sister, cousin, uncle, friend that worked in tech that I could call up and say, hey, I'm trying to do this Google interview. Can you tell me how I need to prepare? Like, I didn't have that. And I felt like there was a secret society. I felt like there was a secret handshake that I needed to know in order to be able to succeed as something like the Google technical interview. And so the reason why I failed is because I misallocated my time to things that I didn't need to prepare for and neglected things that I did need to prepare for, but I didn't know any better. And so I spent two weeks working really hard on the wrong information. And so when I went into the interview, I ultimately wasn't as prepared as I should have been. How did that feel? It felt crappy. I felt like I let down myself, my family, my community, my church, all black people everywhere, because I felt like the weight of black legacy was on my shoulders. And to some degree, in, in one sense, that's kind of true. Like when I'm going into spaces as someone who's underrepresented, I realize that I am representing something to people. And I need to uh, make sure that I have, that when people interact with me, it reflects well on my community, reflects well on my family, re reflects well on the, the people that I represent. And so it was more than just, oh, I lost this opportunity, I'll try again later. It was, wow, I, I missed this opportunity. I might not ever get this again. Like this may have been my shock. But regardless of that, I felt like it was important for me to leverage and to appreciate what I did learn from this. So yeah, I, I did my grieving a little bit. But then after that, I was like, well, I better make the best of this. 
I took what I learned from the interview process, started incorporating that in my day to day. And so it actually made me a better problem solver. It made me a better engineer trying and failing the Google interview process. And I just continued to, to work on those things. And a couple of years later, when I had the opportunity to interview again, this time I was connected with reliable, trustworthy information. I really developed a good rapport with my recruiter. Her name is Lucy. She was very helpful. I, I still talk to her to this day because she's so amazing. But, you know, I felt like I'd now had somebody on the inside advocating for me and helping to connect me with the right information. That made all the difference um, in the world to me. And I think that's part of what drives what I want to do with Morgan Latimer is to be that person that you can talk to and be frank and honest about, look, Anthony, I'm not sure I can do this. I grew up as a thug before I turned my life around. You know, I took this boot camp. Now I'm trying to figure out how to move in tech. Can you talk to me? I want to be that person that can say, yeah, I understand what that's like. I understand where you come from. And I think that you can do this. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to navigate that conversation. Anthony, so on your, your new business, this coaching space, talk to us a little bit about how that's going. Um, the jump from, we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, so... Yeah. How has yeah. that pivot been from that corporate stable income yeah. to now entrepreneur life? What's going on with yeah, that? Yeah, it, it's been scary, amazing, fun, weird. I was mistakenly under the impression that, okay, I'm going to leave Google. My business really, I mean, I've had the side hustle. There hasn't been a lot of activity. Like I should be able to take a couple of months and just figure it out and really think and focus on brainstorming and forming the business and all this other kind of stuff. It's been a nonstop project. <laughs> ever since I left. And I've been very grateful to be as an entrepreneur in that position where time is just so scarce now because I'm talking to people and developing opportunities. And it just seemed like people were waiting for me to leave um, before calling me to uh, drop opportunity on my doorstep. I realized that I'm in a great position of privilege and it's something that I want to wield responsibly. But yeah, it's, it's been more fun uh, than I think that I deserve to have. I like that. Also the hat, man. Very nice hat. Every picture i've seen of you you're in a compton hat what's are you just representing or what's the st what's what's behind it do you ever take the hat off yeah i do <laughs> yeah i don't sleep in it that's for sure um you know here's, here's the thing it's I, I i am i'm about the mission not the money and everything that i do is about mission it's about reflecting the glory of god honoring christ my savior as a christian it's about making sure that when people see me i'm a good reflection of what's possible from compton what's possible from underrepresented communities. And I think that my goal is always to just convey that when you're talking to me, you're talking to somebody who comes from a place where somebody like me isn't expected to come from. And I feel like it's always useful and beneficial when I can leverage my story in that way that is not just informational, but is also inspirational. Love it. Anthony, I got two last questions before we let you go. First, people want to work with you and find out more about what you do. How do they do so? And then to close this interview out, we got people that have been denied multiple times on an elite role that their dream job. What's your words of wisdom to them to like change the outcome? Yeah. So first of all, if you want to connect with me, I'm at anthonydmays.com. So Anthony D is in diversity. Maze, M-A-Y-S.com. Okay. That's the easy way to find me. Or if, you, if that's too hard for you, just go and type into your favorite search engine, Compton and Google. I'll be like the first result that pops up. Uh, <laughs> that's, awesome. that's how that works. But, uh, oh shit, you are. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> SEO, man. SEO. But to answer the second question, if you feel like you're struggling in this process, I want you to understand this quote. It's not that practice makes perfect. It's that perfect practice makes perfect. I've been in a situation where I've worked so hard doing the wrong things. 
a lot of times you just have to change up your strategy and understand, all right, I, I need to be doing something different in order to get the result that I'm trying to achieve. Make sure that you're talking to people. Make sure that you're getting feedback from folks. It's crazy how in the social media age, people still fail to reach out to connections that might be just one or two clicks away, right? To get the information that's useful. So make sure that you do your homework and that you really think in a rigorous and disciplined way about how you're preparing because you, you really can't do this without that. There isn't, there still isn't a magic bullet. There is, there aren't magic words that you say, this doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, but you need rigorous discipline, practice and approach in order to, to get where you're trying to get. And that's not just a tech thing. That's an, that's an anything. <laughs> Drop and fire. Thank you so much, Anthony. You've been listening you. to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA at www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.